Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway, and I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. Well, what a great weekend to be together. I want to welcome everyone on this Father's Day weekend, whether you're watching online or at many of our locations. It is a great day to be together as a church family, and Father's Day is really special. But there's something I've discovered about Father's Day this past week. It is much simpler than Mother's Day. How many of you would agree with that? It's much simpler. Because in my house, it takes a week to prepare for Mother's Day. And guys are just a lot simpler. And I think in my house, we understand that. And so really, if you want the shortcut to a great Father's Day, here's the secret. All men need is meat and a nap. Meat and a nap. And actually, the meat induces the nap is what's amazing about that. And so there is your cue. It doesn't take a lot of prep if you're behind meat and a nap. But I think this week is a perfect week where it lands on Father's Day as we continue in our series, Breaking Out, where we're looking at how the people of Israel broke out of oppression under the thumb of the Egyptians and how God brought that forth. Because this week, what we're talking about is power. We're talking about how breaking out really requires power. And if you're a dad here, if you're a man, we like power, don't we? We like power. I'm talking about we like power. The more power in a car you can put in it, it makes it a better car. Would everybody agree with that? Some moms are like, no, men, we're all 16-year-old boys. We're like, more power in the car. That's what we want. When we walk in to Lowe's or Home Depot and we're looking for a drill, a power drill, right? There's 14-volt drills, and then there's 22-volt drills. Which drill do you buy? 
22. Because more power is what we want. More power. And you know, when you think about our entire culture, we know that we love power. This ability to control and influence our lives, to be the masters of our own universe. We want more power. And so we're going to learn that breaking out actually requires power. But it's a different power than we think. You know, actually, as I've thought about this Father's Day, I thought about the moment where I felt not the most powerful, but the most powerless. And it was this moment when this face looked me in the eyes for the first time. Everybody's like, oh. So that is newborn baby Ethan, my son. He's 16 now. But I remember when he was born, man, something came over me. Because if you were going to ask me a month before he was born, I, I was like anyone who's never had kids. Like, you think that you can parent better than anyone and parenting's easy. All these people that act like it's hard, you're like, what's so hard about it? And then you get one of these little facts, right? Then you get one. And I had never felt more powerless in my entire life. It got kicked off the first night when we brought him home. And so my wife had a very difficult delivery. And then she had a virus on top of that. And so she kind of tapped out for that first night. She's like, I just don't have it in me. I need to recover. And so I'm powerful. I'm a new dad. I've got this together. But I did call my mom to come over as well. <laughs> just to let you know. That's wisdom. That's not admitting weakness. That's just wisdom. Okay? So my mom comes over. But I'm like, I pretty much want to do this myself. This is my son. I'm powerful. I'm in control. I've got this. After three hours of this child screaming, me trying to give him a bottle. He doesn't want the bottle. He won't go to sleep. I even tried, you know, this this thing where you bounce, moms do this really well, dads don't do it very well. It just made it worse. He just kept screaming. I looked at him and I felt powerless. I couldn't stop that. And I was like, man, this is harder than I thought. Well, a month later, my wife finally trusted me to watch him by myself for the first time. Men, have you ever been, you're like the first time. That's a nervous time. But I'm powerful. I got this figured out. So when I go to change his diaper, I'm like, I can do this. So I lay him on the changing table. And you know there's this buckle, but who needs a buckle? So I turn, and I didn't know he could do this, but he comes falling off of the changing table. It was carpet, and it was padded, but I'm like, oh my gosh. What did I do? Some of you are like nervous laughter. Is it okay to laugh at that? Ethan is fine, and I actually think it wired his brain up. He's super smart now. So it didn't hurt him. By God's grace, it was fine. I didn't tell my wife for a year. <laughs> Why didn't I tell her? Because I'm powerful. I didn't want to admit I was powerless. She was mad when I told her. 
So when we get to these places where we understand we don't have it and we're powerless, it's very unsettling. But actually, each and every one of us is powerless. And we know it. We try to act like we're powerful. That we've got it together, we pretend. Some of us are real good at it. We've got it under control, but we're powerless. You see, what power is, is simply this. The ability to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. Man, we all want that, don't we? But here's the secret, is no one has that. No person. Now, I know some of you are like, no, I've got that. I am in control of my universe. So how, can, how in control of your universe have you felt when you drove up to one of these lately? You're powerless, right? Man, that thing just keeps, that price just keeps going up and up. You pray that you can find a gas station where it's like 50 cents cheaper, but you can't. It's like they're all in it together, it feels like, right? But it just keeps going up and up. Maybe it's not just that, though. Maybe you've seen images on your TV that look like this. These are refugees in Ukraine. I don't know how many thousands of people have died, but millions have been completely displaced from their homes. It's kind of like our news media is a little bored with it now, but it's still happening whether we want to acknowledge it or not. But we're powerless to stop that. Even the most powerful nation in the world, with the most powerful military, with our leaders, they are powerless to stop this. It just keeps going. It's kind of unsettling, isn't it? We're in control of nothing. And you know, there's one great example. If you're still thinking, you know what, I'm pretty powerful. I was reminded this week because I attended two of these. Two funerals. You know, whenever I officiate a funeral, that's one of the things I tell people is, this is a moment of clarity. Because every single person, that is our destination. Each and every one of us, we're going to have a funeral service and our family and friends are going to gather around and we're the ones in the casket. You know, we try to pretend like it's avoidable. We live like it's not certain. But you and I are powerless to overcome that on our own. That's a warm fuzzy for Father's Day right there, isn't it? But you know, maybe being powerless isn't so bad. Maybe it's actually a good thing. Because what we're going to learn today from the people of Israel as they are in a powerless position is that they actually found real power when they were powerless. And so if you think about this story rewinding to last week, is Moses heard God's voice through a burning bush telling him that he had heard the suffering of his people and he was going to send Moses. 
This is exactly what God said to Moses. He said this. Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now you see, the Israelites had been in slavery for 400 years, and I think they were like us. It's for 400 years they thought, maybe we can figure this thing out. Maybe we can overtake the Egyptians. Maybe a Pharaoh that will treat us better will come into power. But they had reached the bottom. They had finally realized how powerless they were, and they do what you and I do when we're powerless, is we finally go, God, come save us. You see, that's what happened for them. And so that's what set this whole chain of events into, mo- into motion. And so God told Moses that he, him and his brother Aaron would go before Pharaoh and tell him to let the Israelites go. And so Moses goes and they get in front of Pharaoh and they try to explain this to him and say, God wants you to let them go. You need to let them go or bad things are going to happen. And you know what Pharaoh says? I don't care. I'm going to make it worse. And so he actually makes it worse, and they are even more powerless. And I think Moses in that moment realizes how powerless he is. This is not going well. This is not going to work. But what we're going to look at today is the source of true power. And so we're going to look at Exodus chapter 7, and we're actually going to cover a lot of ground. It's Exodus chapter 7 through 11, but we're not going to be here that long, I promise you. I'm going to summarize some of it for you, but we are going to really look at Exodus chapter 7 verses 1 through 6. So you can open up your Pathway Church app or your Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. And so this sets the table for the 10 plagues of Egypt. Now, many of us have heard of those. Even if we didn't grow up in church, there were these plagues that God unleashed on Egypt. This is right before that happens. And I want you to pay special attention to what God says to Moses. It says there, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you Like God to Pharaoh, I've made you more powerful than even Pharaoh. And your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command. And your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt 
and bring the Israelites out. So what God is saying is for 400 years you've been trying to operate in your power, but you've realized you're powerless. I'm on the scene now, and I'm about to flex on them. I'm about to show them what power really looks like. And so Moses in his own strength, nothing happened. But God says, now Moses, you're going to step into my strength. But you see, to step into God's strength, did you pick it up in that passage? That Moses has to obey and do exactly what God says. See, that's important to understand God's power is it's only found when we're operating in God's purpose and his will. And that's what Moses and Aaron are about to do. Now, there's something kind of interesting in this scripture where it tells us that God says, you're going to go to Pharaoh and these horrible things are going to happen, but he will not give up. He will not let the Israelites go. I will harden his heart. Now, the reason for this is, is because he's not just putting on a show. He's actually trying to teach the people of Egypt and the world who the one true powerful God is. And he knew one time wouldn't do it. It was going to take ten. Ten plagues. And so after this happens, Moses and Aaron go in front of Pharaoh. They do some signs, and Pharaoh still won't let him go. And so then Moses begins to call down these plagues one at a time as God instructs him. And here's a list of the plagues that we can see. And they're really interesting to read about. And you learn a lot about God's power. I'd encourage you to read Exodus 7, chapters 7 through 11. So here's the plagues. First, water turning into blood turns the Nile to blood. Then there is a plague of frogs, a plague of lice, a plague of flies, a plague against the livestock, a plague of boils, a plague of hail, a plague of locusts, a plague of darkness, and then what we're going to talk about next week is the plague of the killing of the firstborn child. And so when we see these plagues, what God is doing is these helpless, powerless people. God is saying, I'm coming to save you. And so God puts out his powerful hand and unleashes a power like the world has never seen. And you see the Israelites being in that powerless place, actually their God, the one true God, comes and is powerful for them and makes them powerful. Now I want us to really think about, see, power is required to break out. But it's not the power that the world tells us will help us break out. It's not position, authority, it's not money. That type of power in some ways traps us even more. But true breakout power, where our lives break out and become full in what God wants us to do, requires His power when we realize we're powerless. So the first thing that we can learn is this, is God's breakout power is on display in our weakness. And so today, if you're here and you feel weak and powerless, 
you're actually in the right place. You're in the right place to find God's power. If you're proud and arrogant, which is something I'm afflicted with many times, I never experience God's power in that place. That's what the people of Israel discovered, is when they finally were powerless and at the bottom, when they were weak, that's when God's hand reached out and was on top of the Egyptians. Now, when I think about this, I've seen this in people's lives, that they, they should be weaker than ever before, but they're actually stronger. They stepped into a power. And I see this in my friend Mike Church's life. Now, if you haven't heard his testimony, it was a little over a month ago that we did a message here at Pathway in our relationship series where you can go hear the entire journey. But Mike is a great example of understanding that God's power is found in our weakness. You see, Mike was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And he had to have a tumor removed. Most people only live a year and a half, is what people say. And so Mike was weaker than ever before. But I remember talking to him a week after his diagnosis and him saying, you know, I'm powerless, but God is powerful. And so it set forth a journey in Mike's life where he began to experience healing because every day he acknowledged how weak he was and how powerless and God breathed power into him. And you know, Mike's experiencing healing, but he's actually stepped into God's power because what happens, just like what's going to happen through the plagues, is when we're weak and then God's power is put on display, the world sees who God is. And so if you follow Mike, what he's doing is any group he can get in front of and share what God is doing in his life, he puts God's power on display. People are hungry for that kind of power. And so he's out there telling the message of Jesus, and he says it's not his power, it's God's power. You see, this is what the Apostle Paul said when he wrote these words in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. When he was talking about his weakness, his thorn in the flesh, and how he prayed to God that God would take his weakness away, and this is what God said to him. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my what? Power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Man, we need to believe that today. That in our weakness, that is when we find God's power. So we can stop pretending we're strong. We can acknowledge we're weak and we can acknowledge that God's power finds us in our weaknesses. Now, the second thing that we can learn from the Israelites is this. Is God's breakout power is unmatched and overwhelming. Now, we learn that from the story of the plagues is there was nothing the Israelites could do to get out from under the power of the Egyptians until God's 
hand rested on the Egyptians. And then there was nothing the Egyptians could do. You see, the powerless became powerful because of their God. Now the reason this was, and this is something we have to understand, is because God was demonstrating his power over an opponent. Now when I think about power over an opponent, I think about this guy. Now this is Michael Jordan, everybody knows that. Now I had someone walk up to me because Steph Curry just was a part of winning the finals for the Warriors. Michael Jordan is still the best basketball player ever. Okay? You're just too young to remember. That's the problem. He was amazing. He was unmatched and overwhelming. Now what made him unmatched and overwhelming was not that he was just a basketball player that had an incredible skill and he was an incredible athlete. It was his opponents who he took down. He beat Magic Johnson in the finals. He beat Isaiah Thomas on the way to the finals. You see, he took down the greats. You see, that shows power. And actually, through the plagues, that's what God is doing. The Egyptians had many gods. They had many gods. And so each of the plagues was actually God's power, him demonstrating his power over the Egyptian gods. It was God showing that these opponents that the Egyptians had, they could not stand against the one true God of Israel. Now, I have a favorite plague out of that list of ten. I don't know if that's okay, but from when I was a kid, I have a favorite plague. So I'm going to demonstrate this to you. My favorite plague is the plague of frogs. And I just loved frogs as a kid. And so I thought, frogs everywhere sounds great. It doesn't even sound like a plague. But if you read the scriptures, what happened was, is this plague of frogs, frogs came out of all the water sources and covered the land of Egypt. Frogs were everywhere. They were annoying. Now, what the text doesn't tell us, what was going on in the background. You see, the Egyptians had a god named Hecht. And Hecht was a god who was a god depicted with a frog's head. This god was depicted as a god with a frog's head. So I want you to think about when these frogs invaded the land, what do you think the Egyptians tried to do? They tried to pray to their God. But you know what happened? Nothing. More frogs. So Pharaoh got so desperate, he called Moses and Aaron and said, would you pray to your God to get rid of these frogs? And so remember, Moses and Aaron were powerless, but they'd stepped into God's power. So they prayed to God. And the frogs died or went back into the water. But then there was this stench. And I believe God left this stench of these dying frogs to show the Egyptians our God has power over all your gods. You see, what proves power is your opponent's. And what the God of Israel is showing is these Egyptian gods, they have no power. No power like God's power. Now what you might ask yourself today, 
is do we have gods in our American culture? Do we have little g gods? And you know, you're like, I don't think we do. I actually think we do. Because gods are simply this, little g gods like the Egyptians had. It's these very specific gods where we believe we turn to them for power. So you see, America has gods. You see, we have the American god of money. How many of you have like done a lot and thought more money would bring you power? And in some ways you worshipped it. I have. But you know, how's inflation treating that powerful thing of money? It's worth less every day. It's not so powerful. Maybe God is trying to teach us that the American God has no power. Maybe it's politics. And when you think about politics, it's this idea, if we could just get the right guy or gal elected, if we could get our person in there, everything will be taken care of. And we bow down, we do all sorts of things. We post stuff on social media that nobody likes and it's annoying, I just have to tell you. But we post things because politics is our God. We think it can solve our problems and bring us power. It hasn't, has it? It doesn't. And then I think the third God that we have that we look to for power is pleasure. You know, we're a people with more pleasure and entertainment opportunities ever in the history of the world. We can stream movies on demand. We control our entertainment universe. We should be the happiest people who have ever walked the earth. But is that true? You see, because the American God of pleasure has no power. We have more anxiety and depression in our world than ever before. You see, our gods are being defeated, just like the Egyptian gods were. And it should remind all of us that there is one true God, and He is the only one that has power, true power. Now, as we think about this, as we think about, this is in the Old Testament, this is about Israel, but there is a New Testament application. There's a Jesus application to this understanding of God's power that the Israelites didn't have that you and I actually have today. And it's this. God's breakout power lives in you. And God's breakout power lives in us. And the crazy thing about this power, it is the same power that brought the plagues upon Egypt, that kind of power. It's the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. You see, it says this in Romans 8, 11, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you you see the powerless have become powerful not by our own power 
but by the power of the one true God. And I want you to think about this. This is so powerful how Jesus demonstrated his power. You know, he became weak. He became so weak, he suffered death on a cross. But you know what happened? When he was powerless, that is the moment he became powerful. You see, that power found him in his weakness in the grave, and he rose from the dead. The Spirit of God who rose Jesus from the dead lives in any person who follows Jesus. The powerless have become powerful, not for our purposes, but for God's purposes, for what he wants. And so I think as we think about how to apply this this week, how do we obey what we've learned from what God has showed us? is that we need to step into our weakness and ask God and just acknowledge, God, we are powerless. We have been pretending for far too long that we don't even need you. But God, we need you. We are a powerless people. And as we confess that, we step into the Spirit of God who lives in us, that power. And you see, that power can do amazing things As we look at the world around us, we see a neighbor who is hurting. We have the power to walk across the street, to love them, and to share the hope of Jesus. Maybe you invite them to church. Maybe you invite them to dinner. You engage. God has given you that power. You know, maybe for you, it's someone at work that you're like, you just know they need hope. But you've been afraid to like share what God has been showing you. They need power. This world needs the power that only God can provide, and we have it. And we have to tell them that, yeah, you're powerless. I've been where you are. But you see, the Spirit of God lives in me, and He is powerful. So for each and every one of us today, it's time to step in and understand how powerless and weak we are. And to really turn our hearts to God and ask for his power to come on us and in us, not to make our lives better, but so that we can show the world the power of God. So we can tell the world of the one true God and what he has done in our lives. You see, that's what everyone walks with someone when we say that here. It really is as we do that, we put God's power on display as we love and we care and we share with people. As we seek, serve, and share, God uses us in a powerful way. So God's family, it is time to step into that power. And as we close today, I want to pray that we would be that people that would do that. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, God. For all my brothers and sisters here, God. And Lord, for all of us to really learn from your scriptures and to understand that, God, we truly are powerless. But God, in your kingdom, weakness is a good thing when we confess it to you. God, we pray that just like Paul said, that he celebrated his weaknesses because he knew at that point that that is where God's power found him. 
just like your power found the Israelites in their lowest place ever. God, I pray that we would understand our weakness and the Spirit of God who lives in us would give us the power that comes from heaven to carry forward your work in this world. But God, we know to do this, we need to confess first that we are powerless and we need your help. And so right now, if you're bold, I just want you to raise your hand right now as a sign to God that you are powerless, that you're powerless, that you need his power this week to carry forward his mission and his love in this world. Raise your hand right now if that's you. Man, hands all over. Let me pray for all of you. Father, I thank you, God, for all my brothers and sisters and our confession together that, God, that we need you. God, I pray that your spirit would guide us even as we leave the places where we gather today and as we watch online, that, God, we would be the people to show the world your power through our lives. God, I pray that you would bring someone, a person, an act of service, something that we can do as we step into our weakness and step into your power this week. That, God, that we would be obedient, that we would obey what you have called us to live. And God, just like Moses found your power when he obeyed, God, I pray for each of us that we would find the same thing. God, I also know today that there's many in this room and many watching this that they have never accepted Jesus to be the leader and the savior of their lives. I want you to know that right now, as you carry the weight of sin and shame and guilt around, you know and you feel powerless. But you see, Jesus came to be powerful for you, to take the place and pay the perfect penalty for your sins on the cross so that you would be forgiven and you would be free. And today you can receive the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit who will come and live in you. And so today, if that's you and you would like to take that bold step, stepping into your weakness that you are powerless and taking the power of Christ in, I just want to simply invite you to pray this simple prayer with me in the quietness of your heart. Father, I know that I have fallen short and my sin and my shame and my guilt has separated me from you. But today, Jesus, I lay those things down and I grab hold of the grace and the forgiveness that you offer me through your perfect sacrifice on the cross so that all my sins would be forgiven and I would be free. And today, Jesus, I choose to follow you and live a life of power that is found in your resurrection. Now, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you pray that prayer, no matter where you're at, and you pray that prayer, I just want you to declare that decision to God by simply raising your hand and so that I can pray for the decision that you made. Raise your hand right now if you prayed that prayer for the very first time. Raise your hand right now. Let me, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, God, for those who have stepped into a new relationship with you today. God, I pray that your spirit would guide them, that your spirit would give them power, a power that is not theirs but is yours, a power to carry on your work, to love people, 
to sacrifice for people, to forgive people like you have forgiven us. God, I pray that this would be a journey and a new life for them, like it's a new life for all of us. That God, we just pray that you would guide us and lead us as we live a life where we have stepped into our weakness, but also stepped into your power. God, we pray all of this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.